the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. having my dear Dennis open the show, so you may be bombarded now by a feminine voice. But this episode of Dennis and Julie is a little bit different because Dennis is on a cruise ship somewhere in Europe. By now, you could be all the way in Asia, for all I know, with the rate with which those things go. So anyway, I'm opening the show. We have Dennis here on Skype. It is about 9 or 10 o'clock his time, but we are so committed to doing the show. We love it so much that we agreed to do it on Zoom. Hey, Dennis, you look great. Well, that's very sweet of you, uh, especially coming from you, who always <laughs> looks great. But as it happens, I want to I actually emphasize a point you just made as a sort of throwaway line, but I wanted to emphasize, I am right now in Serbia, Belgrade, Serbia, with listeners. I have taken listeners on cruises for approximately 30 years. And the only time I've ever missed was when I had no choice, when lockdowns, those uh, irrational acts of governmental authority uh, closed down the uh, cruise lines, so obviously it was impossible. Other than that, I've, I've been on cruises with listeners. We are, it's so popular, the listener cruises, Julie, that the entire boat on this Danube cruise from Budapest to Bulgaria, I don't know, actually to Bulgaria, then Romania, uh, is just my listeners. The entire boat is Dennis Prager listeners. So everybody knows wherever they sit, they are with a kindred spirit. I can't tell you how much it means to me to see these people make these wonderful friends from all over America uh, on, on these cruises with me. As you know, I love bringing people together, not just getting people married, but just getting people friends. Uh, so uh, the whole thing is a high, to be honest. But I wanted to emphasize your point. You and I are so committed to not missing a single Dennis and Julie podcast <laughs> that here I am, uh, you know, late at night in, in Yugoslavia, well, there's no longer Yugoslavia, in Serbia, and talking to you. And it's just, it's a delight. Julie, so I, I, I know you have a ton on your mind, as you always do, but I, I want while it's in context, to talk to you about the incredible assets, bonuses, advantages of travel, th that it is literally, to use a word that's overused, life-changing, to go around the world 
as often as one can. Do you do you sense that? Because obviously you're so young, you know, you haven't been able to get to that many places yet. But is that something that resonates with you? You have no idea. I mean, even when I was in Washington State about a month ago speaking, I'd never been to Washington State. And when I landed there, the second I got off the plane, it was like, eyes up, pay attention. I wanted to see how the airport was different, how people there may be dressed differently. When I was driving, I was asking, what's that? Was I love being in a new place. It's such a new opportunity. I'm going to quote you, actually. I have to give you credit. You've taught me that, among many other things. You always give credit to people who you, who you quote. We were, Dennis and I were on the phone the other day, and he said, traveling allows you to see the human condition in different contexts and cultures. I thought that was so well said. And I, so, so to answer your question, of course, I try to do it even when I drive to a new part of Los Angeles, let alone a foreign country. Well, <laughs> look, uh, I'm not surprised because, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I, I think God gave both of us very similar souls so you will get a big kick out of this. I grew up in, in New York City, which has a very extensive subway system. When I was in sixth grade, sixth grade, I went from Brooklyn to Manhattan every day and back on my own using the New York City subway system. So I got on very near Coney Island in a place called the Kings Highway. That was my stop. And then I would go 40 minutes to Manhattan. I wanted to know every stop on the New York City subway system. I actually, on occasion, would just go to the subway and take it to stops I had never seen. And it was so exciting for me. I I mean, we're talking about the New York City subway. We're not talking about Serbia. So when you say that you looked at the Washington airport, Washington, you know, the Seattle, Seattle. airport, you go, wow, it's different. That's exactly right. You know, I've I've come to think about this recently. You you said this on a, on a recent episode of Dennis and Julie. I believe you're quoting Socrates, who said, the unexamined life is not worth living. I think there are two paths in life, the engaged life and the not engaged life. If you take the former route and you look up and pay attention, it is endlessly interesting. There's so much that, that you can learn. I mean, yes, you're, you're epitomizing it with, by, by traveling to, to Serbia. But even if, as I said, just going to a different part of Los Angeles or paying attention to the different stops on the subway, there's a lot to be observed and gleaned from everyday experience. Yes. So the question that haunts me, I don't have a, I don't have a, a full answer to it, is if that's not in your nature, can you manufacture it? Hmm. I, I, I don't I don't know the answer to that because I have become aware for whatever reason in the last few years more than ever in my life of the power, not of human nature that I've always talked about. We all have two natures, human nature and our own. And uh, I'm now talking about our own 
the 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 yearning to understand life if it's not built into you can you in fact acquire it hmm. I mean, you have a thought on that i do so i just guest hosted your show well, i'm telling the viewers i'm probably not supposed to talk about time of filming but uh this is pre-recorded and and i just guessed i was a dentist show and now we're zooming because you know dennis is traveling nine hours ahead i just guest hosted your show and for the third hour of the show i i did literature hour where i talked about this deadening of learning that has come to characterize american education i actually literally right here have my high or you can't there you can see it high school copies of the scarlet letter and jane eyre and I, I remarked on the air that um, it was funny because I was decrying how American public school teachers focus too much on symbolism instead of teaching the eternal wisdom of the books. But these books are a kind of th- – these physical copies I have are a kind of symbolism for me because I hated them in high school and now I love these books. I can't wait to go back to them and read more of them. This takes me back to the question you just asked. Can you develop – an appreciation for or an interest in life if you weren't born with it? I think yes. I think you can with good instruction. Part of the issue is teachers nowadays, and not every, not, not every teacher, I, I, I said on the air, I want to be fair. There are many great instructors out there. Teaching gets a bad rap because of all of the crazy gender and race stuff that's been happening in the United States, and deservedly so. Some of them deserve a bad rap, but there are many wonderful teachers out there who and I've been the beneficiaries of of their wisdom. But uh, teachers don't even anymore, most of them don't even bring out a potentially latent interest in life and in literature because they focus too much on the social commentary of the book or analyzing a certain symbol of the book. It's a shame because if you have a good instructor that makes the book come alive, I think you can inherit that awe and that wonder. So I'm optimistic to answer your question. I I do think that it's something that you can learn, though it certainly helps if if you're born with the the desire already. What do you think? Well, as uh, literally as a result of your response, I'm. I think. I think there's a lot of truth to that. I'll, I'll give you an, a funny. You'll get. You'll really get a kick out of this since you're so in, in involved in my life. One of the ways I made a living when I was a graduate student, in, 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 when I was a graduate student in, in New York City, was teaching Hebrew school. Now you have to understand that the kids wanted to attend after school lessons in in Judaism like you want to collect uh, insects. Uh, Maybe you do, but I'm I'm assuming you don't. Okay. (laughs) So I knew not one of those kids wanted to be there. They were there because their parents told them you got to go to this thing. So I actually announced to them I said, you, you, you uh, need to come for this session and one more, the next one. After that, if you don't want to show up, I will mark you present. You do not have to come. I believe it is my duty to earn your interest. 
And if you pass the exam and didn't show up at any class, you will pass the, the, the course. Your parents will not know any anything different, and so be it. I need to earn your interest in this in these subjects. Well, to the best of my recollection, uh, nearly all or maybe all of them uh, turned out for all of the sessions. And so, what I what I what I'm affirming your point. I made the lessons relevant to their lives, and why it's interesting and fun to learn because there's nothing more fun than learning. By the way, you know my proof, you'll, you'll be touched by this. I've actually only uh, used this in the recent past on my radio show. My, my father died at 96 and I remember his last years, he, like all of his life, he was an avid reader. And I remember thinking when he was reading, uh, we all knew he was in his last time on, times on earth, months, whatever. And I remember thinking he's reading the newspaper every day, but he's not going to be with us very long. And then it, I realized because there's nothing more fun than learning. And I mean that literally there isn't, there are things that are tied with it, but there's nothing more fun than learning. And so I'm affirming your response but you need the right vehicle. If you don't have it in your nature, you need the right vehicle, the right parent, the right teacher, the right whatever. I'm smiling because I have notes here. You know, I scribbled down notes during the commercial breaks for guest hosting, and I circled one that says secret underlined. Reading is so fun. <laughs> it's exactly what you said. I, I said on your radio show just now. I reject this idea that people think that they're too stupid to understand Jane Eyre or understand the Scarlet Letter. I, I fundamentally reject that. You And I, sa- I said this on the air. I go, you are not too stupid. I, Julie Hartman, was in remedial reading from first to third grade. I don't even think I've told you this, Dennis. I was I was awful at English class at reading, and I, and I required extra tutoring and, and – um, uh, outside of school help in order to get back in my age bracket because I was that bad. In high school, I hated reading these books because they I thought they were so boring. It is such a lie that we can't understand these great works, that, that the language is not palatable to us. And you're so right about the, the necessity of a vehicle. I've come to realize, and it's this it's this vicious cycle that continues and continues. And by the way, I just want to pause and say I'm dying to hear about Serbia and what Serbia is like. I want the audience to know that we will we will get to that. I think it's like the elephant in the room, the big question. We we will get there, but you know, Dennis and Julie, it's it's a the tangent show. Um, <laughs> this isn't really a tangent. This is pretty. That's great. <laughs> We, we could absolutely rename it. Oh, we could name it a lot of things. <laughs> the tangent. Principal among them, Dennis and the Harvard Wiz, which is an, which was an original uh, proposition oh, of this show. Not, yeah, or Julie right. and the Columbia Dropout. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, that's uh, typical Dennis and Julie. What was I saying? Oh, I was talking about uh, the vehicle. Yes, it's this vicious cycle because – I don't think my teachers and I had a I had a lot of great teachers. I'm I'm lucky. I am, but I don't think some of my English teachers they themselves could understand the wisdom imbued in these books. 
for and honestly a lot of it is is religious like i'll give you an example here i'm sorry i'm i'm indulge me you know you know how much i'm i'm loving reading jane Eyre. i think there is a one sentence synopsis of religion in this book that is perhaps the best one sentence synopsis i've ever come across it's this 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 girl who's about to die and she says she's talking about her faith and she said with this creed revenge never worries my heart degradation never too deeply disgusts me injustice never crushes me too low I live in calm looking to the end. I love that. I think that is that, that that really does a good job of imparting the the peace that can be achieved with a belief in God. I don't think my English teachers got that. I think they skimmed over that passage as much as I did. So in a way, I can't, I, I do blame them, but I can't blame them for not being the vehicle, as you said, Dennis, because I don't think it registered with them. And if it's not registering with them, it's not going to register with me. And if I grow up to be a teacher, it's not going to register with my students, et cetera, et cetera. Nefarious, the number one movie on Salem Now is available to rent today. Dennis and Sue strongly recommend this film. Nefarious comes from the filmmakers behind God's Not Dead and Unplanned. Sue and Dennis turned it on and thought they'd watch it for 20 minutes. But the movie was so riveting that they finished the whole film. Sean Patrick Flannery and Jordan Belfi give Oscar-level performances in this movie based on the book by Steve Deese. The woke critics hated it. But audiences have given it a 96% approval. And here are what others are saying. Matt Walsh, the filmmaker behind What is a Woman, calls it excellent. Dinesh D'Souza calls it captivating, suspenseful, and profound. Charlie Kirk says, This psychological and spiritual thriller may be a movie, but it contains far more truth about the reality of our world than most would like to admit. Visit Salem now or your favorite video platform to rent Nefarious today, even though it's still in theaters. If you want to rent for your church or large group, visit movienight.com to rent it today. I'm so tempted to just devote the rest of her. I mean, we certainly can. To the comment from Jane Eyre, but but save it for another time. I just want to say one thing about that. Uh, the, The motto of the Barack Obama campaign was hope and change. And I, I had, I, I, I found it a vile uh, on both counts uh, because on the change part, his infamous statement, we are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Uh, that's what the left does is fundamentally transform that which is good, which means it makes it bad and horrible. Okay. But even the hope part drove me crazy. I said, wait a minute. The people in the richest country in the world with the most opportunity to advance if you work hard need hope. Mm-hmm. And now that you actually gave me that sentence, I realize, yeah, they do need hope because they're secular. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's so interesting because it's a good point. If you're intellectually right. honest, secularism is hopeless. You die, and that's it for eternity, oblivion for eternity. Let's be honest. That's why, you know, I I ask in every atheist that I debate, the first thing I ask to establish whether they're intellectually honest is, do you hope you're right or wrong? If they say, I hope I'm wrong, then I know I'm talking to an honest atheist. If they say, I hope I'm right, then they're not honest. They They don't face the conclusions. 
that they that their position entails, namely that every, everything that matters to them is over as soon as they die. They will never want, once again have any relationship with any of the precious human beings in their lives. Uh, and and you, you, you don't hope that that is not the case. I mean, you know, you, you're out of your mind. So it's I just wanted to comment on the on the on the one comment you made. The, the next thing is that we're both talking about vehicles to el- eliciting fascination with life, uh, that the right teacher, the right parent, the, the right relative, the right friend, somebody, if it isn't built into you, somebody still can do it. You, you've or you convinced me in your first response that for most people that is doable. And that is what is not happening today. Today at, at, at school, you are told that Shakespeare is irrelevant because he's, he's white and European and male. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, the, it's the ultimate not excite people about ideas. Yes. I mean, what is there to be excited about anymore? You need a reason to get up in the morning, a, a reason to, to go on and make something better or enjoy. I mean, look at patriotism. It used to be a great source of motivation and of of satisfaction to, to be an engaged citizen of, of your country. We don't have that at all. We uh, Americans are the least tethered to their national identity i would say of any country on on earth it, it like and that's that's a sad thing we we don't have patriotism animating us to your point we don't have a respect of certain institutions of certain pieces of music art literature we don't have we don't have even any more respect for work i mean i was i was <laughs> You'll laugh at this. I was recently at a bar. I know me at a bar, not reading Jane Eyre. Can you believe it? This past weekend with a friend, and I, we, we met someone, this uh, girl who was our age, and she turned to me and she goes, what do you do for capitalism? That was her way of asking what I, what I did for work. It, like, what, wow. what do you do for capitalism? It's all like so much of, of this worldview we have is, you know, what are you doing to support these horrible institutions that have come to – we, we, we've come to see is wrong. What is there? Can you identify something for me, Dennis, that, that the left says is good, that, that, can, that can rally us all to get excited about? Not your country, not what you do for work, not any of the things you read in school. What, what are we supposed to get excited about? Well, what do, the answer is what do they get excited about? They get excited about tearing down. Right. That's what they get excited about. We're going to tear down capitalism the only the only thing that has ever created wealth it's so it's such a combination of nihilism and stupidity the the only way to conquer poverty is to create wealth whereas the left redistributes the wealth that capitalism creates Mm -hmm. there's no there's no wealth creation from the left there's no wealth creation from governments governments redistribute the wealth that capitalism creates Capitalism has taken billions of people out of poverty. There is no other economic system in the history of the world or imaginable that would do the same thing. But they don't care about the poor of the world. In fact, I'm not really sure what they are, what they do care about. And I, I mean that quite, quite literally. But they, get, they do get excited about tearing down because let me tell you, the destruction is exciting. 
what do they su- what is their po- like what do they support besides destroying your whole life and, and i agree with you by the way you're you're absolutely right they, they get very excited about destroying i i was reading something that said i wish i could a la dennis prager credit the author but i don't remember the the author the, this person wrote though it takes one day to tear down a house it takes five years to rebuild another one it's so easy to destroy it's so hard to build they love destroying they get excited from destroying what do they build what is their positive thing that they offer to others for us to to be interested in they they, nothing they have no answer what they their answer is they imagine what they'll build Mm. they imagine utopia a la john lennon's song imagine or the current term that is one of the favorite terms of the left, uh, along with uh, along with what is the one uh, when when things are interrelated? What is their term oh, again? Intersectionality. Yes, intersectionality uh, is reimagine. Yes. Now, they don't just imagine; they now reimagine. So, for example, <laughs> we reimagine policing, namely not having police or having far fewer police. The fact that more human beings are murdered, beaten, and raped is of no consequence. Literally of no consequence. Anyway, I'll let you're right. The elephant in the room is where I am. So uh, I, I, the bad news is, and it's the only bad news because I'm having a great time. The only bad news is I'm not adding a country to my 131 countries on this trip. <laughs> I have already been to Croatia and Serbia and Bulgaria and Romania and Hungary. <laughs> it's hard to add once. It's amazing. When, when you get to 131, it's hard to add. But it doesn't matter. It's as exciting as as the first time or the second time or the third time. I, I love it. Uh, and I uh, I wrote a column. I don't know if you read it, and I'm not t- testing you, but if you didn't read it, it was act. I wrote. This is one of the saddest columns of the one thousand columns I've written, and it was. And that is that the title was "I Feel Better in Europe," and I and I prefaced it. I opened up by saying, "In in I've I've gone abroad every single year since I was eighteen years of age, except for twenty twenty when it was literally impossible. I even went I even went abroad in twenty twenty one when it was very difficult. I went to Hungary to to give some talks, and uh, I have, oh, I got my bingo point. I, I was so preoccupied. Oh, yes, it was the We're preface so of my column. Yes. So, yeah, so here we get, that's, right, that's really true. No, we, we are. Happen, it's so fun, yeah. So, uh, so I was saying, so uh, in, in uh, this is, in all of my travels back to America uh, over the course of half a century, uh, Returning to the United States, seeing the American flag at whatever airport I, I flew into, New York, L.A., Chicago, wherever, I got the chills. When, when the guy checking my passport would say, welcome home, I felt great. I mean, I used to say that I wanted to kiss the ground when I arrived at America's uh, airports. And the, the, the last few years have really... Um, sort of knocked that out, to be honest. And it is very painful for me to say to you, but 
here I am. I was in Germany two weeks ago. So it's not just Eastern Europe. And then I went back home and then I came back to Europe. I was in Poland for four days and then went to Hungary and now Serbia. And they don't have they don't have the issue of telling children that they're not a boy or a girl here. It's it's just not an issue. And I quote in my column a New York Times report the woke New York Times reporting that Macron and the French, though on the left, the French left is disgusted with the values that are coming from the United States, especially on, on this trans issue. There, the, I found no all gender bathroom in Germany or, uh, or here in, in Hungary, in, in Poland, in Serbia, there are unisex bathrooms, which is fine. In other words, there's one stall and any anybody can use it. I have no problem with that. Nobody has a problem with that. But there's no such thing as all gender. There's male and female in Europe. That's a very big deal. You can send your child to a school in, in, in almost anywhere in Europe, and they will definitely get a left-wing orientation on a whole host of subjects. But they're not going to be ruined damaged by by the notion that they may not be a boy or a girl that they'll choose when they get older or choose even now and i gave other examples too i see i see people i love people watching and i i will often just sit on a, on a bench and watch people walk by in, in major thoroughfares and i'm not sure whether i am seeing things in in rose-colored glasses uh, in terms of Europe, but the kids seem so much less jaded, mm. just like kids. I saw a boy and a girl the other day uh, playing this game, you know, where you touch the hands with the other one. Yeah. Uh, what, what is that called? Don't, I don't even know what it's called, but I know what you're, I know what you're talking about. Patty Cake. Yeah, I mean, patty I, Cake. Thank you, Shanzi. Yeah, Patty Cake. He I, plays I, it every I, day. I... I, I don't remember seeing that in, in decades. I'm, I'm sure it happens, but uh, also the number of people of all ages, old, middle-aged, young, holding hands, walking in the street. You're right. You hands. don't see that anymore in the United States. Yes, you don't know. I'm telling you, I don't see things through these uh, colored glasses. I try to see things as realistically as possible. And that's a that to me is a fairly dramatic difference. Plus, as I said, the non jaded look on kids kids' faces just they're they're kids. That's what they are. And the the holding of hands. Uh, also, I, I wrote in my column, and I, I and this is this is true in France, which is pretty left wing place. Uh, the women, including young women dress in they don't dress in unisex garb they they dress like their gender in women's clothes and it's it's a it's a just a delight to see plus they celebrate their countries you were mentioning that earlier the the celebration of one's country i, I was at a demonstration an anti-government demonstration the day we left poland it was a gigantic, hundreds of thousands, they claimed, I don't know the actual number, of people against the conservative government of Poland. And 
the number of Polish flags at, at a left-wing demonstration was uh, was quite remarkable to see. So I, I I can't believe that I'm saying that in some ways it, it's better in Europe than in my beloved America. I so know what you were saying with with landing in the United States and feeling like you want to kiss the ground. When I got back from Israel, and you, you know, and all the all the viewers know, <laughs> talk about it every five seconds. How much I loved Israel. I felt so lucky to return to the United States because as fun as Israel is, they have a lot to face that we don't. They have threats from all around their borders, even within their own borders. They really have a situation that that is difficult. And I just came back and it was like entering a realm of peace. I I felt so lucky. But you're right that we were so jaded. And what's bizarre about this jadism, (laughs) that's even a word, this jadedization is that it's contrived. We don't have a reason to be jaded. That's what we've remarked about on this on Dennis and Julie, like, you know, the climate change hysteria is contrived. The racism hysteria is contrived. The homophobia, the transphobia uh, stuff is contrived. The problem at the border, on your show today, I was interviewing uh, Representative Beth Van Dyne. She's uh, uh, in the U.S. House of Representatives from Texas. And she was saying she was the mayor of Irving, Texas for six years, 2011 to 2017, before she was in U.S. Congress. And she said, we can actually quite easily secure the border. It's not that it's hard, but it's not as hard as you may think. We could get the border under control in 30 days. But we are seeing this influx, and this influx is made to happen. By the end of President Biden's first term, let's pray he only has a a first term and and not a second term, there will be 14 million undocumented immigrants in our country. In that term alone that came across our southern border, that is made to happen. All of this is being made to happen, and it's so weird to me. We have enough problems in the world. There's enough tragedy and devastation and challenges, and we are concocting being jaded. I'll say a final thing because you you were talking about how Europe, even the left in Europe, is disgusted by the left in America um, and its radicalism. Gold dealers are a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. What sets these companies apart, and who can you really trust? This is Julie Hartman for Amfed Coin and Bullion, Dennis's choice for buying precious metals. When you buy precious metals, it's imperative that you buy from a trustworthy and transparent dealer that protects your best interests. So many companies use gimmicks to take advantage of inexperienced gold and silver buyers. Be cautious of brokers offering free gold and silver or brokers that want to sell you overpriced collectible coins, claiming they appreciate more than gold and silver. What about hidden commissions and huge markups? Nick Grovich and his team at Amfed Coin and Bullion have always had Dennis's back. Nick's been in the industry for over 42 years, and he's established a reputation built on trust, transparency, and fair pricing. If you're interested in buying or selling, Call Dennis's friend, Nick, and his team at Amfed Coin and Bullion, 1-800-221-7694, AmericanFederal.com, AmericanFederal.com. You know, we hear all the time about the happy countries, Denway, uh, Denway, Denway, you can see I'm tired after three hours of hosting. It's amazing what you do, by the way. It's It's fun, but it's exhausting. 
Denmark, Sweden, Norway, uh, they, they have passed laws that, that prevent minors from obtaining so-called gender-affirming care. These happy countries that we seem to mm-hmm. support in every other way have their, have their heads about them in this issue. I'll give you another one that's eerie. Communist China is more conservative than the United States. Is that not the ultimate irony? This does not happen in communist China. There are no transgenders in communist China. There aren't even gay people in communist China. They don't allow any of that. None. There is no such thing as all gender right. well, bathrooms. On, well, on, the, well on, on the gay issue, let's, let's be clear. They're wrong. Yes, yes. I mean, that, Sorry. It's, it, that's an immoral act to of suppress course. Oh, of course. Who, it, who, of, who, of, but but uh, the, I'm not for suppressing people who are transgender, but... The, the staggering increase in the numbers from near zero to yes. uh, uh, serious proportions of young women is all created by the society. It is not natural to the individual. No, I'm I'm glad you clarified. I, I, I think it's evil to, to persecute gay people. And look, I, I also think if you're transgender, you have a right to, to pursue whatever you want to pursue in life. Just don't force it on children don't remake society around your individual decisions i'm glad you clarified right, which is that. what caitlin jenner says right caitlin right. Jenner, totally. jenner is gender but but the by the way you know alan Esten's theory on caitlin jenner no what, what is it's a theory? very interesting theory so he, uh, alan said i grew up i said that individual embodies the change the dramatic change in america when I grew up, he said, Bruce Jenner was on Wheaties cereal as the quintessential male. And now Caitlyn Jenner is on Wheaties cereal. Oi. You know, I, I on it, it, sorry, sorry, go on. No, no, it's dramatic. It is a dramatic example. It is. I'll say, and it, it shows you how I really... I'm probably more sympathetic than maybe I let on sometimes on the air. When I watched that, do you remember when Caitlyn Jenner first came out as as transgender in, in 2015? There was this Diane Sawyer interview uh, where Diane Sawyer mm-hmm. interviewed Bruce, then Bruce, now Caitlyn. I felt such sympathy for her. I really, honestly, I believed that that what she was experiencing wasn't a social contagion. I, I really believe that she had like genuine mm-hmm. de- gender dysphoria. It was a very moving thing. And I believe to this day that there are some individuals, just as some people are born with depression, some people are born intersex, some people are born, uh, you know, with a proclivity to schizophrenia, et cetera. I-, I think there are a very, very small group of individuals who are truly born with, with gender dysphoria. The rest of it, a lot of what we're seeing to your point today is social contagion. But on this point about China, <laughs> I wish I wish the, the uber left-wing Americans would see this, that in communist China, they don't even they're, – they're not as liberal as, as we are in the United States. Communist China, the most progressive liberal ideology you can get to, they don't allow – uh, all gender bathrooms. They don't have this pronoun craze. In fact, not only do they not allow it in their own country, they know it can be used as a weapon. They are forcing it on us. Sadly, they don't need to force it on us. It's a domestic, you know, kind of homegrown phenomena, but they're adding fuel to the fire through TikTok. 
in the algorithms, they put up these woke transgender uh, videos in order to create uh, division among American citizens. They, they are liking that we are going down this woke path. They are trying to force it upon us. Communist China knows progressivism can be used as a weapon. Does that not prove what we're saying here? That even the most liberal regime understands that progressivism can be used as a weapon. Well, the most left-wing regime is the language I would use, but I, yeah, I, your, your point is well taken. Uh, again, to repeat the TikTok point in case anybody missed it, TikTok is, is made in China. Yes, yes. And TikTok in China is wholesome. <laughs> TikTok in America is, uh, is the opposite of wholesome. It's, it's utterly destructive. It's, it's nihilistic. And th- they're very happy to do that. I assure anybody who is concerned that the armed forces of China uh, do not celebrate uh, Pride Week or Pride Month uh, and do not celebrate uh, soldiers who are becoming the other sex. Whatever one's position on the transgender, it, it is not a good idea for the armed forces any more than it's a good idea uh, for women's sports. Uh, on, a, on a related but different, actually, related only in the sense of it's equally depressing. Oh, I was just reading that there are 7 million young men in America who are out of the workforce. They, ha- they are healthy but they have decided not to work. And the description of their lives was uh, video games, pornography, and drugs. And that, uh, so when I mentioned this to Alan on, on board the ship, his first reaction, which I, I, uh, I want you to react to, was, so does that mean 7 million women are bereft of a possible husband? God, he's so I didn't right. Think of that. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. In other words, do, no, do right. you young women have a sense that there are all these men who have checked out? There is. This young woman has a sense, a painful sense. I don't think young women writ large have a sense at all. I think it's an interesting subject because I was on my show Timeless talking about why why are we so depressed, my generation. We are the most privileged Americans to ever live. We're the most educated Americans to ever live. Well, educated in some ways, not educated in other ways. But as far as, as credentials, we're the most educated. We haven't lived through a World War I or a World War II or a Vietnam War. We have all of the earmarks of happiness. And yet we're so unhappy suicidality is very high among people my age or uh, suicidal ideations and, and indeed even uh, successful suicides tragically. Medication is, is very, you know, prevalent among people my age, depression, etc. Why is this? I think it's because, I mean, there's so many reasons, but one of them is I think we have a sense that there's something off, but we don't know quite what it is. Like I think a lot of young women can't identify, as you just said, that that there are a lot of these men that are checked out. But I think there's a part of their intuition that knows it to be true. And it's hard when you know something's wrong and you can't quite put your finger on what it is. 
And so I think there's a lot of us that, that by us, I mean, people in my generation, like I feel so blessed because I think my conservatism isn't just my political ideology. It's my life worldview. It's allowed me to, it's, it's allowed me to see things clearer not just pertaining, again, to politics, but even pertaining to why do Americans not appreciate Jane Eyre? Oh, it's because of this, you know, death of learning, this decline of, of reverence for the past. It's, it's given me a worldview to understand the system that is producing such malaise. It's a very hard thing when you don't understand what's wrong, but you know something is. So that's my response to you. They don't quite understand it, but I think there's a part of them that does. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Okay. Well, when I read 7 million, and I don't think 7 million women of this age group, your age group, have checked out quite the same. I think there are vast numbers of women who are profoundly confused. That, that's That's obvious, but... I, I mean, when I read that and then Alan asked me that question, I thought, well, where are these women going to meet somebody? If, if they're seated in some basement doing video games and porn and, and drugs, if that is accurate, and I, I, I don't know why it wouldn't be accurate, a number of very responsible people have given that number. It's, it's, that's, that's worrisome, to say the least. And it was, of course, exacerbated terribly by uh, what I hated from the beginning, the lockdowns. It, it just made it all, all, all the more easy to leave society. And then, of course, there's working at home, which I, I'm ambivalent about because I understand how it can help a lot of people, especially if they have kids to raise. Uh, but on the other hand, the increasing isolation... That's something, again, I felt watching all these people walking in, in these streets uh, here in, in Europe. It, it, it's not something you see in America. People watch movies at home, work at home, uh, I don't know, whatever the else, eat at home. They imprison themselves. Yes. It's, you know, I I could have and did for a couple of years. I broadcast from my home. We, we set up cameras and, and so I on. And I, wow. I did my yeah did my radio show from my home for a number of years. Wow. So I was very far from the station. And then the station asked me uh, to broadcast from the station. I moved near it. And there's no comparison. It, it's it's a very it's it's easier physically. You just get up. And especially when there was no video, it, 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 you know, <laughs> I, 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 Where your I could have sat in any, in any condition. Yes, in any condition. But getting dressed, which is a, a theme, I, of course, I've raised with you. So I'm not, I'm not asking that we discuss it now. But when I see, when I come to work every morning in, in L.A. and I enter the elevator or someone enters after me and I, these are, you know, often young people going to work and none of them are dressed for work. Hmm. They're, they're dressed the same way they would be if they stayed at home. And I, I, that too is a loss. People don't realize all of these things are losses. And 
you know, what's, I don't know what'll be, but I, I just, I raise these issues in the hope that people will say, you know what, I, I will go to the office. I will dress up if I go to the office. I, 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 I owe it to myself and I owe it to my friends. That's the reason that I raise these subjects in, in the hope that somebody listening, talking about somebody listening on a cheerful note, a couple came over to me last night and just said, I got to tell you how much I love Dennis and Julie. Aww. And it was really painful to me that I couldn't memorize everything they said. <laughs> but uh, I, of course, I'm going to I will be mentioning it uh, during one of my talks here uh, on, on board the ship. But uh, I get this, you know that, because I often video these people as a sort of present to you. Uh, so, so, I was just about to say. You should. Yeah, go ahead. No, I interrupted you. Very rude. Very rude. No, 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 no. It's a non-issue. But I, I, I'd like, I, just for a moment, I would like you to tell people, because you share some of them with me. Some of the emails that you get as a result of Dennis and Julie. It's so funny. I was literally just pull it, pulling one up as you were talking. Uh, Dennis is – you are so – I mean, uh, I, I'm, you can tell I'm hesitating whether or not to say it because of Juliet in Virginia who calls us out for complimenting. But <laughs> you are – I think you're so kind on air – who you are on air is the same person you are off air. That is really true. But you, if it's even possible, when you meet public figures, it's it's difficult to have your expectations not only met but exceeded. And my expectations were not only met but exceeded with you. You in your in your private life, you are so kind and generous. And one of the examples of that is the the way that you send me videos of Dennis and Julie listeners. Dennis will go to speeches and, you know, he's exhausted. He has to meet all of these people. I know you enjoy it, but it's, it's very draining. And he'll pause when someone says something nice about our show and he'll take a video and he'll, he'll send it to me because you know, it, it makes me feel good because I'm so hard on myself. I just want, I just want our viewers to know that Dennis does that because I think it says a lot about our dear co-host here. But, um, I I love the emails that we get from listeners. Dennis and I talk about this all the time. It is it is a mark of how good if we do say so ourselves the show is. But we're not saying it's so ourselves. The 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 viewers and the emails they write are the are the indication that the show is good. Because if we're hearing from such high quality people, it must be something worth listening to. I, I want to read something to you, Dennis. I don't think I even s s told it to you in private. We have a Dennis and Julie listener that was listening to Dennis and Julie as she was giving birth. <laughs> and she was reading your Bible commentary as she was giving birth. This is Savannah. She gave birth to her son, Simon, on May 12th, 2023. And she's just sent this. She said, I wanted to share this photo and a photo of my sweet boy. If you, you guys take care, if you're ever around San Antonio, we'd love to host you for dinner or show you around town. So many listeners do that. They go, if you're ever here, you're ever there. I'd love to, to welcome you to my home.
Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is one of the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillows you'll ever own. For our listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free offer with the promo code HARTMAN. MyPillow 2.0's temperature-regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square to get the buy one, get one free offer. Enter the promo code Hartman or call 1-800-566-6745 to get your MyPillow 2.0s now. Those are truly kind, gracious people. Anyway, this is this is a photo of Savannah reading your book as she's in labor. Oh my god, I get I get so many. I'll tell you one other email, and then I have some thoughts on what you were saying before. But this this one I might be one of the most touching I've ever received. There was a listener who wrote to us about a month ago, and. He said, Dear Dennis and Julie, I want to write this to you because I can't talk about this very much in my home because I don't want to further upset my children. I don't talk about this a lot in my workplace because I don't want people in my workplace to see me differently. But I just wanted to tell you because I view you both as friends in my life that my wife just died of breast cancer and I'm really sad. It's difficult for me to go about my life, and I just felt the need to tell you. That was so touching because it really does show that they thought that this man thought of us as as friends, and that's what that's what we want to impart to viewers. I've made friends off of this show. I, some I have some close friends that I've made through this program. We we. We don't just want to be talk shows. We truly want to be in people's lives. Well, you know, my description of myself since I began was I'm not a talk show host. I'm a human with a talk show. That's great. That's really great. It's true. I thought you would. I thought you would like that particular line. The the yearning to bond with people who are kindred spirits is what's behind all of this. And you have it, and I have it in, in massively. I mean, I have a boatload, literally a boatload of kindred spirits. And so I don't suffer from what is a, a very big malaise in America of people who have traditional values and can't find friends because of that fact or have friends that they can't open up to. So to a certain extent, we, we sort of play the role of being their friends. And it's not playing it, it, it in the sense of make-believe. It's, it is real. Obviously, I want people to have people who are in their lives physically to, to have that bond. But a lot of people do not. The, there was a, a, 
a couple on this trip that told me that they came with me to Israel prior to the lockdowns, the last time we went, 2019, right before the lockdowns, I never say before COVID. And they were on the trip of, of listeners of mine to, to Israel. And by the way, I have another one coming up this fall and people interested should just go to DennisPrager.com and click on the banner for information, stand with Israel. And this uh, boat is 150 listeners. The Israel trip is usually about 500. And they told me something I hear all the time. They said, I just want you to know we were on bus number 10. And we got so close to the people on bus number 10 (laughs) that we actually have bought a place in Florida where we all stay at (laughs) just to be with each other. And they were from all over the country. I don't don't even know if more than two are from Florida. They became literally the closest friends in their lives from being on bus number 10. (laughs) I'm going to tell this when I come back and, you and, I, and I promote the, the trip. But it makes perfect sense. I love that, that I'm giving people an opportunity to meet terrific people. You know, people may come for me. You know, it's my old line about they come for Dennis, but stay for Sue, which yes. you, you know how true that is. It is true. But, I, but it is also true in, in my public life. They come for me, but they stay for the f- folks that they meet. Mm-hmm. So and, and I love that it, it it doesn't take anything away from you know the bond that, that they have with me, but it it is such a a, a more in, enduring one where they have these real people in their lives. The every, the human being needs people to whom they can open up about what they what they most care about in life, and the number of people who can open up to friends. Is, is is scary. I know this from my happiness hour. And I know this This is pre-woke that this was a problem. And post-woke, it, it is a crisis. Coming into this conservative world, if, if you will, that's what I'm going to call it, has made me find so many kindred spirits, again, just beyond the realm of the political, just, just kindred spirits in terms of disposition and worldview and life interest and at every it's it's been really interesting for me because every place i've gone to whether it's a speech of yours whether it's your torah minion and i know people will listening will go oh, of course you found this you know with dennis because it's dennis that's unifying all these people but even you know i, I mentioned my speech in washington i went to to go speak um in mid-april to a group in uh, northern washington state 450 people and they were all kindred spirits um, I spoke recently to a Republican club in, in Santa Monica, all kindred spirits. Coming into this world, I have so found that. And as I said, it's been fascinating for me to contemplate, and this is in a typical Dennis and Julie way. Dennis and Julie, we go out on a lot of tangents, but we also kind of, I don't know if you notice this, every episode has this circular, like we come around to an earlier point. It's, it's actually quite nice. I think it's because we all believe in something as opposed to just against something. You were saying earlier the left gets excited about destruction. Maybe that can kind of unify, tether people together. 
I don't think so, though. I think what really does unify kindred spirits is belief in as opposed to against something. And that's what conservatism offers. It's not fundamentally fundamentally trying to tear something down. It's trying to build something up. It's not fundamentally trying to call out what's wrong. It's trying to call out what's right. I, I, I think baked into, baked into conservatism is gratitude. Gratitude and respect and reverence for the situation that we've inherited. There's this – at its core, it's a unifying, kindred spirit-friendly, if you will – worldview so no wonder i go to all these places and i and i find those companions the uh, the gratitude issue uh, about america that you're you're talking about so i didn't mention this so i i love talking to strangers it's it's been my passion since i was a kid and even if there's a, a, a tiny bit of their knowing English or my knowing their language, I try to do this on the road around the world. So on a number of occasions, people have asked me because I love taking photos and, you know, they, they, they would see that or something would provoke a comment. And so on a number of occasions, they said uh, something and I gathered it was either in poor English or a mixture of English and whatever their language. What, what country, what, where are you from? And I go, America, America. And their eyes would light up and my heart broke. And then when I would say, and they go, where in America? I go, California, California. It, it is like meeting somebody and saying you, you, you live in heaven. Mm-hmm because they don't know they have no idea what is racking america and wrecking america at this time it, it the the dream of america and specifically california is still real i took out my license to show it to somebody wow. just knowing they would get such a kick out of seeing a california driver's license which uh, you know naturally they had never seen it was it a an ice cream shop in uh, what city was it? Uh, I think in Hungary, yeah, in Hungary, in in rural Hungary, and and it was a young man, and he just he, he was so excited. We to think that we're wrecking the dream of humanity. I know. This is too painful. What can I say? Well, it really, what you, you just. Really Oh, God. Sorry, Dennis. It's, no, it's no, 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 please. It's the overlap. It's the Skype overlap. Oh, uh, Sean is cutting in saying, I think it's ironic that the American dream is alive outside of the United States. It's true. They they, they seem to appreciate it more, it more than us. Um, what you just said about uh, America, what did you say about being the something of the world, the hope for humanity or what you – what you just right. commented on that is quite literally true i mean and that that's what that's what makes america exceptional america was founded not because of circumstance it was actually founded against circumstance it was founded based on an idea and the first federalist papers uh they write that america is for all mankind the the system of america is intending to show the world what can be accomplished 
And so it's and, – and loving and appreciate this country has made me feel like there is this precious possession I have in my life. And it's made my life richer feeling like I have this precious possession. Because human beings, as much as we need to be loved, we also need to love something or someone. Giving love is just as important to us and as nourishing to us as receiving love. And so loving and appreciating and wanting to protect this country is is – is life-sustaining. It, it, it enriches one's life. Recently, as we all know, that, or as we Dennis and Julie listeners and participants know, but probably half of America doesn't know because the left-wing media suppresses it, there was a, a, a FBI whistleblower that has come to Congress and said that um, President Biden, during his time as vice president, took a $5 million bribe from a foreign national. This was back in 2015. And so the House of Representatives is investigating it, has uh, subpoenaed the FBI head Christopher Wray to present the relevant documents to Congress. And so it may, this may really blow up in the next few weeks. I hope it will. If it's, if it's true that this happened, I hope it does blow up because this is exactly what impeachment was designed for. This is exactly the stuff we should be focusing on, not pronouns. But when I read that story, Dennis, that that our president may have taken a $5 million bribe to favorably influence policy from a foreign national, I felt so offended. I felt so disrespected. It was like, how dare you? Not only is this individual corrupt, how dare you do this to this precious country we have? You don't have any respect for, for how amazing the system is, how this system has given you the life that you have to be in this position. And instead of using your responsibility to protect and defend it, you view this precious jewel of ours as your little plaything to use as a tool to advance your own power. It's disgusting. And, it, and it's that feeling of preciousness about my country that, that made me just not just look at this as a sickening display of corruption, but as like a deeply offensive uh, disrespect and grievance. So they will answer, oh, well, you know, well, you have Trump. But they have created a caricature the the real trump with with all his obnoxious traits is is incomparably more honest than joe biden and yet yes i know i'm well aware of the the 2000 lies that the washington post has accumulated virtually every single one is just gargantuan in its triviality mm-hmm. like how many people attended his inauguration, inauguration. Yes. I mean, that's, you know, that's a typical example of a Trump lie, as they put it. But compared to Joe Biden, I consider him the only truly bad human to be a president of the United States. I couldn't stand Barack Obama, but I truly believe that that Joe Biden is a bad human being. And I do not believe that Donald Trump is a bad human being. I believe that he has no control between his brain and his mouth. I had one question, not do, not do I like Donald Trump. That was never my question. And it's not my question whether I like Joe Biden. It is, uh, 
did they do good for this country? One did immense good for this country. One is doing immense harm to this country. From the day he, he came into office and, and rendered uh, the, the ability of America to support itself with energy by, by knocking out the, uh, the XL pipeline, uh, to, to, to this day, the, the inflation that he has created uh, and the, the, the worst, the use of the Department of Justice uh, to render America a police state for the first time in its history, the amount of evil that this man has done. Look, we don't generally talk about politics, mm-hmm. and uh, but the evil that this man is doing to this country has no parallel in the history of the presidency of the United States. Sorry. Sorry to, to conclude on such a I was a about to say note, on that happy note. <laughs> no, yeah, but- well, the positive note is that uh, Dennis and Julie comes back to you from the normal place next week. And uh, it, it is uh, it fills me with joy to do this with you, Julie. Well, ditto more than, you know. And I'll, and I'll also say, not that it's a happy note, but even when we're exposing all of this terrible stuff, as I said earlier in the episode, it's better to know and understand what's happening than feel like there's something wrong but not get it. So there is, it's an overused word, but there is empowerment, as corny as it sounds, in knowing what is really happening. And I hope that we provide that. Dennis, have fun. Go to bed. It's late, my dear, but it's been really fun as always. Correct. See you next week. You can reach me at julie at julie-hartman.com. And as you saw in this discussion, I do read all of the emails and appreciate them greatly. See you next time in person. Be well. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.